Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hangouts and Headlines, Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. How's everybody doing this Tuesday? Had a long Monday, not going to lie for me. Had a lot of work to do, both here at Hangouts and Headlines, which was a lot of fun, but also in the practice of law. And then, if you weren't following social media or virtual legality or anything else, I can't blame you, but we had about a million stories on Microsoft and Activision and Smash World Tour and Panda and Elon Musk and Twitter and all sorts of stuff that we've been covering in this space that I just frankly can't keep up with. Uh, so we're going to be picking and choosing exactly what we continue to cover on the channel because I'm only one person uh, and we have to do that in order to make this work. But I do get a lot of DMs. I do get a lot of messages, maybe from folks like you that are in the chat right now or elsewise online asking me why I haven't done coverage of X, Y, or Z, even while we're premiering a video <laughs> at 3 p.m. as we're trying to do on the regular basis for virtual legality. And, and my goodness, folks, my goodness, is there a lot going on for early December? So how are you doing? How is your work schedule? How's your leisure schedule? Where are you hanging out from? Let's just chat this morning. I know the story I picked out today is very niche is probably not something that a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on coming into this episode, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to be talking about a video game designer and his house decor, uh, because I thought that the article was a bit off the wall, and I have to put my tilt and biases out there. I will do this again when we start the headlines section. Uh, this is not a video game director that I much care for. Uh, this is an individual that comes across to me, in, in my opinion, uh, as pretentious and likes to bring that pretense uh, over to his works and has made Naughty Dog, which is a fantastic game developer with some of the best artists uh, in the industry, into a dour sadness factory. Uh, and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more as we proceed through the video. But that's one of the reasons I wanted to cover it is because I was actually listening to these quotes, uh, or I guess I was reading the quotes, and I said, wow, that is even more on point, on brand than I would have expected. So you know what? We're just going to have a little bit of enjoyment of reading through these uh, particular quotes, exactly how Hollywood Reporter covers something like this. Uh, and it is a complete fluff piece. There's not going to be anything of seriousness, nothing remotely as serious as the Velveeta lawsuit that we covered yesterday. It's just that kind of week for us here, folks. Maybe because I'm doing so much serious stuff in the rest of my day, we're going to be taking a lighter tack probably this week in Hangouts and Headlines. But of course, if you have something to recommend, let me know. I'm always looking for new articles for this space, but but it's going to be a very chill, very kind of, um, I, I hope, interesting and entertaining look at, uh, at how these things get covered in places like The Hollywood Reporter. So uh, look forward to that. It's going to be fun. If you don't know who Neil Druckmann is, that is A-OK. -okay. I do not blame you. Uh, this is a person that is now interacting with HBO a lot. Uh, but uh, HBO uh, is uh, is probably responsible for him getting the Hollywood Reporter coverage that he's getting. Or as Emily says, this headline is certainly all words, but I don't really know what they mean in this order. LOL. It's totally all right. And I'm very thankful for the others of you that decided to come in early on your Tuesday morning to check out this Hangouts and Headlines with me, to just hang out, to enjoy the headline sequence, even though uh, a lot of you, I suspect, and I don't blame you for this at all, don't know what this headline is about. So with that as our preamble, let's see how everybody's doing this Tuesday. B says hi to Kim. Happy Tuesday. Hope you're having a good day with hearts emojis. I love to see that in the chat. Love to see the warmth and love of people that are getting together pretty regularly now in the morning saying hi to one another. Not just to me. That is awesome. Nicholas says happy St. Nick's Day. That was a little self-serving. 
Uh, but yes, it is St. Nick's Day. Chocolate coins, shoes at the door. Uh, I'm used to that. I, I actually wasn't familiar with this one uh, until I met my wife. Uh, but that was a very long time ago. Uh, so I have been uh, I have been understanding of this for a while. Uh, it is St. Nicholas's Day. So happy day, Nicholas. <laughs> uh, Disney Nerd 85. Good morning from West Virginia, Hogue family. Well, good morning, Disney Nerd 85. I hope you're having a great one. I've already started my second rewatch of Andor, which I'm just sharing with you because of your profile name. Uh, but it is my favorite thing that Disney's released in some time. Uh, so I am enjoying Andor again. Uh, if you didn't see, I gave it very high marks on Twitter uh, when we finished the series on Friday. And I couldn't really be happier with it. Uh, so if you have any inkling to check out a Star Wars Disney product, and remember, I'm someone that really doesn't like most of their output. Uh, I do recommend Andor. It is a very, very solid show. So good morning to West Virginia, Disney nerd. Crazy Cat Queen says, woohoo, good morning all. Hello from the Strozier Library of Florida State, finals week. Ooh, getting getting an early start, Crazy Cat Queen. Taking a break with y'all while eating Whataburger yumminess. That is an early start for Whataburger too, isn't it? <laughs> well, good luck on your finals. Good luck on your studies. I certainly remember those days and, and finals week was always a major stressor, uh, but also in a way that I really can't achieve anymore with work life. Uh, it also was a massive relief to be done. It was just something that you got through and it was over. So hopefully you get that relief uh, when it is done as well. Uh, and best of luck to you. Chris says, hey, Hogan, everyone. It's Sydney about to drink tea and listen to your stream. Koala bear and two kangaroos. See, Chris knows what I like. Koala bears, kangaroos, Australia. I'm not going to do an Aussie accent because I'm not going to put that on you people. But know that I'm thinking of it, at least as far as I know a bluey accent to be an Aussie accent. <laughs> Deidre says, looking forward to the Peach Bowl. My New, Year's, my New Year's Eve date, Peach Bowl. Peach Bowl is the, the Georgia Ohio State game, correct? Right? Am I getting that right? It's uh, the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl are the, are the semifinal games, I think. Zardism says, I think you missed the whole point of The Last of Us with part two, to be honest. Yeah, for folks that are interested in who Neil Druckmann is and how I feel about the game that he kind of self-delivered, uh, you can go see uh, the uh, My Last of Us 2 postmortem, and I think I did a follow-up video on an interview that he gave um, where I talk about some of the things we'll probably discuss here. I'm really not here in the morning in a Hangouts and Headlines setting to drag anyone, uh, but I wanted to get my tilts out there because he really has uh, eviscerated certain aspects of a studio that I really enjoy and really has a lot of talent. Uh, and so we'll, we'll talk about that. If you love The Last of Us Part Two, you might not like that part. Just like if you love The Last Jedi, you might not like it when I talk about it. But I'll try to be fair and honest. You can always leave a comment in the chat telling me I'm an idiot. Uh, I will take that well because, hey, it's Hangouts, it's Headlines. We're all friends here. We're going to have a good and enjoyable conversation. Disagreement is always welcome. So don't worry about that. It'll be fun. Uh, and I, I do see I do see a couple of member messages here. I can't actually drag those over, so I'm going to read them out. Uh, hang on, sorry. I'm going to take you off the screen for a second here. We've got Lovely, member for one month. Good morning, Hoke from Houston. It's so hot down here, it doesn't feel like we are anywhere close to Christmas. Good morning to the Hangouts and Headlines crew. Well, good morning to you, Lovely. Thank you for being a member of the channel. I hope you've been enjoying that. Uh, and yeah, I don't know how cold it gets in Houston for Christmas on a kind of traditional level. Uh, here in the Midwest, I think of Texas as warm all the time. I know that's wrong. 
um, like intellectually. But in my head, if you tell me you're you're living in Texas, I'm thinking you're pretty warm. So hopefully you get a little bit of a Christmas feel, but not too Christmassy. Uh, I don't want you to be having to deal with a Michigan winter, certainly. But thank you so much for being a member. And then Papa Hogue, member for six months. Great to be here in Northville watching your channel. Congratulations again on the success of your Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> go Blue. See, somebody in chat's like, don't mention the Wolverines. Rick's going to go off on a tangent for 10 minutes about how Mike Sanistrill is a fifth-year senior and he's not going into the NFL draft and he's coming back for another year. And isn't that awesome? Now, we did have some drama on the Michigan Wolverines as our all-star, all-American tight end who got injured early in the season just said, I'm leaving, I'm going to the transfer portal, which is how players can move around college now, and said, essentially, you don't want to know sometimes sometimes people aren't trustworthy or something like that. And just throwing Twitter shade. Twitter's very good at throwing shade. You probably already come to this realization yourself, chat. Uh, but on Twitter, you could just say kind of half innuendo type things and then, oh, no, what could it be? And you just leave that and let it lie. So I don't have any idea what's going on with that. Hard to tell when you're talking about college kids. Could be very serious. Could be something that I would be concerned about. Could be nothing. Could be nothing. So we won't speculate on that. Uh, but thank you so much, Dad. That'll be my last Wolverines edition uh, to this particular episode, unless I'm talking about Red Dawn Wolverines. So that's a that's a topical and timely reference, right? I'm sure some of you got that. <laughs> uh, so good morning, everyone. Uh, what else we got going on here? My my dad has has thrown me already talking about Michigan, getting ready for the playoffs. So we'll try to proceed on there. I'm seeing some some folks having a little bit of trouble sleeping. I'm so sorry about that. Kim says, been having some trouble breathing. Battery test, it all came out normal. I'm so sorry, Kim. Latest twist is after eight hours of sleeping, even with my CPAP on, I wake up exhausted. Getting old as a bee. <laughs> Happy laughing emoji. It really is, isn't it? Well, I am so sorry about that. There have never been kind of worse overall long periods of time for me than when I just wasn't able to get sleep. It would result in headaches. It would result in lethargy. It made the workday harder. It made making videos harder, streaming harder. Uh, and so I hope you feel better as soon as possible. Uh, Night Eyes says, morning, Wave. I've just been listening to Runkle's leatherworking stream. Very relaxing. I've told Rob and Ian that they should just have a stream where they turn on their cameras and just work, just do stuff. Uh, and I think that a lot of people take a certain amount of relaxation from just kind of having a stream on in the background of people doing things, uh, you know, especially if you've got the house to yourself, if you're otherwise uh, just looking to have some sound in the background, something sometimes that's just really nice. Uh, and so I'm glad to hear that Runkle's got a leatherworking stream, which I haven't seen, and that it is as relaxing as I would expect an Ian Runkle leatherworking stream to be. Um, so I'll have to check that out. Uh, thank you so much, and I'm glad it's working for you. Good morning, sir, says Shireen. Good morning, Shireen. Hope you're having a good one this Tuesday. Uh, Sardism says, good morning, Secret McSquirrel. Good morning, Mrs. Hoglaw. Good morning, chat. Does at chat work? Is this, like a, is this like an email all? Do you ever have that when you're at work and you have that email all function and some, <clears throat> uh, some people are taking control of the entire email system to argue about Thai food in the microwave or what have you. It's, uh, yeah, it's fun. Highly recommend office environments. I don't really. I left. Uh, so let's see what else we got going on here from the chat. Uh, I love all this stuff. I love having these conversations. 
Uh, I wish Rick could evaluate our company employee internet use agreement. I'm pretty sure it breaks all kinds of laws. I don't know what jurisdiction you're in. I can't, of course, because that's legal advice without you know having an actual attorney-client relationship and engagement letter and jumping through those hoops and ethical compliance and all that stuff. Uh, but it will very much matter about what jurisdiction you're in. Um, uh, in the United States, you're going to get a lot of leeway on the employer level for controlling various aspects of certainly how employees use uh, company hardware, company access points, uh, and then potentially even further on from from their own hardware as to how they're interacting in public. Uh, I have no good news for you on that score for most for the most part, uh, but we'll see. Uh, cool Springs wants Mrs. Hogue to make the early morning pancakes and deliver them into Colorado. I think they would not be terribly fresh if we deliver them to Colorado, so we're sorry about that. Uh, but she does make good pancakes. Mrs. Hoaglaw's pancakes are excellent. Mrs. Hoag said you got her a new cricket for your anniversary. That's sweet. I got my first one a year ago, and the profile name is very on point. Cricket Crafts and Crime. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. It was our 15th anniversary, and she really wanted a cricket. So um that's that's what i got her although I, when i say i got it for her um she knew what she wanted she was best able to do that so it's really more a matter of me uh helping facilitate that than than strictly getting it for her. she's giving me a bit too much credit there uh but yes absolutely uh talking about pretentiousness says don and we are talking about video games a little bit today so hang with me I love that Sonic Frontiers is leading the only public vote award at the Game Awards and God of War is only getting 8% of the votes. Sony needs to rethink the the sad mm, tears. We'll talk about Sony a little bit. I, I think I, I was watching a Twitter thread about how the Sonic Frontiers vote, which is an excellent game that I thoroughly enjoy, uh, that uh, it has whatever it has, 60, 70% of the vote, and that that's only possible with a botnet or, or some kind of bot voting. And it's probably right. Whenever you have a public vote, it's probably going to be manipulated or otherwise compromised in some way. Uh, but uh, yes, I have to say after Immortality did not get even nominated for Game of the Year, uh, I, I'm okay with anything happening with respect to the Game Awards. Not only did it not get it nominated for Game of the Year, which is like five or six nominees, uh, Immortality, which is maybe one of the best stories uh, that video games have ever made, ever in the entire history of the medium didn't get nominated for the people's choice award, which is what we're talking about here in this chat, which allowed for 30 separate games that you could otherwise put a vote in for, and then was going through rounds until it arrived at a winner and it didn't make the top 30. And it's like, okay, that's, that's fantastic. The, the game awards is like um, the, the, the award for most commercially successful zeitgeisty Twitch video thing, regardless of quality content or otherwise. So you can watch it. Certainly. I probably will. I don't know. Every year I seem to hate watch the thing. I want it to be awesome. I want to celebrate games. I want to celebrate developers making awesome stuff, but it ultimately winds up being a commercial fest, uh, and just trailers that you could watch on a YouTube channel the next day for like three hours. Uh, and, uh, we'll see, we'll see. I don't think it's reflective of the best game. Certainly not the best gaming experiences I had this year. God of War Ragnarok is a totally fine kind of seven or eight type of game that I think stray the cat game is nominated for game of the year, which is just, I don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, and then real interesting 
tightly designed, excellent gaming experiences like Immortality, like Rogue Legacy 2, uh, like all sorts of things that I could name that didn't make the cut uh, for the Game Awards, didn't even get didn't even get a taste, didn't even get a look. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe we'll do a Hangouts and Headlines after the Game Awards. I'll just take an article that is about the winners and I'll just rant. I don't know if people want me to rant for a solid hour in Hangouts and Headlines, but I do it amusingly. None of this stuff matters, right? It's video game awards from a cadre of people voting on something. It doesn't matter. So maybe maybe a rant in that context would be acceptable. Uh, but my God in heaven, I would see the gaming industry treat itself better. Uh, and uh, maybe one day that'll happen. Maybe we'll take virtual legality and YouTube and we'll build a show of our own. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Emily says, ooh, I love drama, even college football drama. Tell me more about those tweets. I don't know. It is very much drama uh, insofar as I recognize it, which is like he then responds in half answers to people that ask him questions on the Twitter thread. It's like, oh, God. Nope. Nope. There's a reason this isn't a drama channel, folks. I hate all of that. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm strangely the center of it too often. So we'll, we'll press on from there. Um Thank you for, oh, thank you for insisting. Uh, thank you, chat, for insisting on Wednesday. You convinced me and I enjoyed it, and I haven't truly enjoyed a show in a while. Wednesday, the Netflix show. I thought we were talking about the day of the week. Okay, fantastic. Chat, you recommended it to Sandra. Sandra loved it. I'm still uh, got to put it more on my list. I tried the first couple episodes of Willow. Candidly, that's not for me. Uh, so I am going to move on from that. We still have Andor, though. We still have Andor. Uh, and I enjoyed the first 25 minutes of Wednesday. I have to give it more chance than that, obviously. So we'll go back to that. Absolutely. Lovely says, it's been 80 degrees plus uh, all week here. Hot, hot emoji, fire emoji. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know where you are. Are you? Was this Texas? It, it can't be 80 if it's not, well, oh. 80 is too much for me. I'll say that. Um, yeah, I'm, I... I live in Michigan, so this is probably self-evident. I prefer it to go cooler than hotter. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, 80 degrees for an entire week sounds unfun. So enjoy. <laughs> Crazy Cat Queen says yes to the Robin Runkle workshop streams. When, um, when I was first getting into this space, uh, and I think you all know this probably, I sponsored a channel called Easy Allies. And uh, Easy Allies is awesome. They're fantastic. But they had a stream, which <laughs> I think I think Mrs. Hoglaw made fun of me for watching uh, until she kind of uh, learned the space a little bit more. Uh, but they called it their Gundam stream. Gundam being a, a series of robot models, like real models that they would uh, they would make over the course of several hours on stream. And for the most part, this stream consisted of, you know, two or three nerds in a California garage uh, with separate tables and full kind of model kits and uh, the, the knives uh, and the glue and everything else, putting together robots and only occasionally talking, uh, like literally just kind of like yelling across the room about this or that video game or music album, album or movie or whatever, uh, while they made robots over the course of a period of time. So it was just like essentially having an open floor plan and looking into another room where they really weren't necessarily talking to each other that much, but it was super relaxing. Like I, I was really surprised actually by, Oh, this is, this is nice. I can put them on in the corner uh, or of my screen or on my TV 
uh, and and do work and not be too distracted or or any of these kinds of things. It's a very interesting piece of content that I have found that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, so you know maybe one day I'll do something along the lines of um, getting in there and making a stream where I do nothing. Won't that be a won't that be a winner on YouTube? I have no idea. I don't make Gundams. I don't leather craft. Uh, I don't make wooden objects. Uh, it is very amusing to sometimes just get a DM from Rob about some new device he has in his workshop and how it, I don't know, smooths tables flatter or, or what have you. I can't, I, I can go find it. <laughs> uh, but it's like, yeah, great. That's, that's good stuff. It's good stuff, Rob. And he, he also feels the same way about my, my game conversation. So we, we, we work it out. We work it out. Uncivil Law. Hey, how are you doing? Uncivil Law. Dwarf Fortress releases in an hour. Pog. Okay, I'm not hip enough to understand what Pog means in this context. Dwarf Fortress is a video game. I thought Dwarf Fortress was already out. Does it get an update? Does it have a sequel? I don't know, if enough, don't know enough about this, Kurt. Um, let's see here. We got some internet. Oh, we got, we got some, uh, the crux of the internet policy. We're going back, uh, is they want to monitor our internet at work, but we all work from home. So they want to monitor my private internet access. You'd have a blast as a lawyer with this, uh, happy face emoji. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, I think you'd want a labor law specialist on, on this. I honestly think this is a question that people are facing a lot more. Uh, yeah, uh, so it's your computer and it's your internet and they want to monitor it. Yeah, uh, that one would be fun. I'd have to see more details. Obviously, I can't give that kind of legal advice in this space. Uh, but uh, yes, there's certainly there's certainly areas that you could potentially fight about uh, if you wanted. Marissa says, we, we live to watch Runkle rant for an hour. Why not a hoe rant? Runkle, Runkle's got that feisty rank energy. I would just be arguing about video game awards, although I do have a lot to say about them. They're certainly true. Uh, God of War, Ragnarok, a seven or eight. That's what it, this is what I would get. This is what the chat would be if I had a long form game awards rant. I should just put it on in the corner and I will just react to it. <laughs> I'll just it won't be on my screen. We'll just we'll just sync up. I'll just I'll just have a stream which is just me reacting to the game awards going, oh no. Oh no, you gotta be kidding me. Oh, what fun we will have. What fun we will have. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh Sardism says you're describing an entire subgenre of ASMR, and it's a pretty nice one, not gonna lie. Uh so when I think of ASMR, I'm generally thinking of Twitch streamers licking microphones. Is that too reductive? as a genre. See, this isn't, I'm always happy to learn more about these things, but certainly I think the quiet stream where people are just doing something is strangely nice uh, in a way that I would never have expected at all. So hmm, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's see here. Uh, I, I think I, I passed it. Uh, I lost it already. I think Kurt is saying that Dwarf Fortress has graphics now. So it's getting a graphical upgrade, which is cool. Hopefully that's awesome. Uh, really, uh, uh, really hoping for it. Uh, Dwarf Fortress is one that bounced off me. It's very specifically a PC game. Uh, my brother loves it. Uh, my brother loves it. So I, I hope you enjoy it too. Hogs, uh, uh, Marissa says, Hogue, you get spicy too. I do. I do. I get feisty. I, I, I like feisty uh, on that. But certainly I, I try uh, to present my opinions passionately. Britt says, Some, speaking about using at to talk to chat, that reminded me that the Marines used to use banyan vines and it used street talk 
Email addresses were formatted as name at group at organization. That doesn't sound super easy, Britt. <laughs> uh, Pixel says, Rick, for your stream, you can craft with your wife. If Mrs. Hoaglaw is currently listening to this, she just snorted in laughter uh, for my abilities uh, to, to craft. Um, but certainly I could support the crafting efforts. I'm a pretty good cheerleader uh, on this stuff. Uh, Britt also says, kicker was that you could use wild cards. So star at star at star emailed the entire Marine Corps and you could turn on read receipt. People crash the network plenty of times. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. I can see that. Hopefully not deliberately. Uh, certainly I think anybody that's been in a shared email environment could look at it and say, yeah, my coworkers have done wrong. And hey, sometimes I've done wrong, uh, right? There are the occasional firm alerts or whatever that you just hit the reply all button when you should have hit reply. Uh, and uh, you you may have uh, concerns about a new policy at the firm or what have you. And it's just broadcast to everybody. It's always nice. ASMR gym chalk crushing is great background noise. Don't knock it till you try it. Gym chalk crushing. Okay. Okay. I'm clearly going to have to look at more of these types of streams. <laughs> Sardism says, oh, that's super reductive. Yes. Okay. Not just licking microphones on Twitch. The example I was given of ASMR before I really got it was Bob Ross. Quiet sounds with emphasis on small sounds you don't hear often, like the click of a T. All right. So I could just take this down early in the morning and just start talking to everybody. See, I don't want anybody falling asleep on their drive to work or anything like that this morning, but you can just kind of talk like Bob Ross and make it work as if you're broadcasting on NPR. Maybe we'll do an ASMR episode. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Midnight Drury, I played Immortality on your recommendation and I enjoyed it, but game of the year, well, reasonable minds can differ. Smiling, blushing emoji. Yeah, I mean, every time I mention it to Ian, Ian says it's not a game at all, but reasonable minds can indeed differ. Yes, I think it's the game of the year pretty easily, but again, understand that I value narrative very highly, certainly against my uh, brothers and sisters in video gaming. Uh, and so immortality has one of the best narratives and ways to experience that narrative uh, that I have seen in the history of video games. So yes, it's very high on my list. Very, very high on my, on my list. Indeed, Sardism is adding more to the ASMR pile. There's tons of like spa role plays to help with relaxation or quiet lectures and discussions. The French Whisperer ASMR does all multi-hour streams going over information stuff, or probably going to follow this up a little bit. There's the one you were describing on accident, where people work on crafts and maybe describe it softly. There's more, but I'll stop spamming. Sorry. You don't have to be sorry, Sardinisms. I'm interested in this. <laughs> it's A-OK. -okay. And yeah, I think we stumble into different areas or genres of work across the internet in ways like I just described. Literally, why would I ever watch a stream of three dudes in a garage building Gundam robots and not really talking to each other? Well, as it turns out, it kind of feels like it's just another room in your house and you can not pay attention to it. And then occasionally they'll have a conversation about the latest, I don't, I don't know, Lord of the Rings video game. And uh, you'll, you'll have a little bit of interest and then you'll go back to your work as well. It's, it just works in a way that I would not have expected. So yeah, thank you for that, uh, Sardinisms. I, for whatever reason, that's just how I think of ASMR. It must be because that's primarily where I see it as a acronym is as a tab or, or tag 
on Twitch. Uh, and so that's just how I think of it when we talk about these things. So I'll, I'll try to, I will try to open my mind to, to ASMR as a, a more uh, complete genre uh, and not just, uh, you know, licking microphones. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Ho, you claim you value narrative, yet how far are you in Final Fantasy XIV? Final Fantasy XIV has too high of a barrier of entry to get to what you say is the great narrative. I have played Final Fantasy XIV on maybe five separate occasions. I have enjoyed my time each time, and yet I have never advanced past the baseline A Realm Reborn campaign. I think I own them all. I think I've bought them as they come out, if you want that kind of support for Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, but I have never advanced past A Realm Reborn. I get distracted. I like to craft. I like to mine. Whatever it is. Uh, and I, I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this honestly. This is between you and me, nobody else is listening. The, the Realm Reborn campaign is perfectly palatable, but it is not compelling, especially especially as you would have to grapple with it for the sixth time. Uh, so I, 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 I've heard fantastic things about the expansions to Final Fantasy XIV. I have never gotten there. And the problem that I have as a gamer is that I tend to get the newest thing and play through it or not, but I tend to get the newest thing. Uh, and that makes very little sense to me to have a... I think, what is it, a $12 subscription to a game that isn't going to get that much attention from me in a given month. Uh, so when I play a multiplayer game, I tend to play Elder Scrolls Online because it doesn't have that membership fee. So I can just pop in and play some, enjoy myself and pop out and not feel like I'm wasting money. Uh, so that's really the barrier for Final Fantasy XIV to me. And you're going to tell me, oh, they have this free to play stuff at all. Yes, I understand. Uh, but I... That, that, is, that is what prevents me from diving too deeply into Final Fantasy XIV. I wish it were a non-membership-oriented game, but obviously they're making a ton of money on that. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> Ardo says, I like single-player games and RPGs for the narrative. Multiplayer games tend to focus on combat. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like that's why you play... Um, adventure games to me is, is to, to have a story or, or to be in a world. Uh, I mentioned, I think yesterday that I've been playing Callisto Protocol, which kind of got ragged on a little bit in reviews for its combat system, which I think is pretty silly to, to get upset at it for its novel. I don't think, I don't think game reviewers love it when the, something doesn't match up uh, with like the only way controls can work and the only way combat can work as it stands right now. But I've been playing through that, and I would not describe the narrative as independently strong, but what I would say is that the world building and the feeling of putting you in a place uh, and uh, the environmental storytelling is very strong in that game, and that's fun sometimes too. It's essentially like buying a Disney ride or buying a haunted house that you can go through, uh, and it has that kind of experiential quality, even if it's mostly just Josh Duhamel saying, you want me to go where? <clears throat> and just going there to the, to the next place. Uh, as a story so far, so far. And so I definitely get that. I tend to look for that in my single player games as well. <laughs> uh, Sarnism says, yes, you talking quietly and Rob when tired are both about one mic change away from full ASMR, LOL. Good to know. I'm only going to read your chat Sarnisms now in my ASMR voice. 
Uh, and uh, we will go from there. Uh, Uncivil Law just fighting for Final Fantasy IV, which deserves all the fighting it can get. Uh, obviously, one of my favorite Final Fantasies. Uh, it is a fantastic game. Also, in the translated version, features my Red Wings as a major force. Final Fantasy VII would then feature the Avalanche. I like to pretend that Final Fantasy is just a long-form version of telling the stories of the National Hockey League. Uh, all right, let's discuss Neil Druckmann, The Last of Us, and fluff pieces in The Hollywood Reporter. So we kind of have to get a little bit of background for, I think, most of you uh, that aren't following gaming as crazily as me. And this is not uh, this, is, this is not a brag. This is just that I follow this stuff very, very closely. So the Hollywood Reporter here is writing an article as of two days ago entitled <clears throat> Inside the Santa Monica Home of the Last of Us Creator, Neil Druckmann, the video game developer who's also co-writer of the upcoming HBO series adaptation, worked with interior designer Kim Gordon to turn what felt like a white box into a home with character. Quote, people keep commenting that I looked like I was in a prison. That's before the interior design work, not, not after it. Uh, but just based on that, you might say, why would, why would I even read this? Why would I have a person on YouTube read it to me? The answer is there is no good answer to that question. And yet we're going to do it anyway, because we're going to have some fun this Tuesday morning. And to give some background on this, The Last of Us, if you don't know, is a video game created by a developer uh, by the name of Naughty Dog. Uh, that released some time ago, but not that long ago, and has since released three versions, I believe. This is currently on your screen here, uh, a, a tag for The Last of Us Remastered, which came out a year after the original game did as a generation's cross between the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. And then The Last of Us Part 1, which is the same as this game, uh, but upgraded graphically, uh, released this past year at full price. What can I say? But suffice it to say, it is a very popular game. It is one of the better stories told in video gaming. And part of this game being made uh, was that Naughty Dog had used two directors on it. One by the name of Neil Druckmann, who was the younger, and one by the name of Bruce Straley, uh, who was ostensibly the game design director, while Neil Druckmann was the creative director, I believe, after a year or so from the start of the project. Uh, and they put together this Last of Us concept, and it is subtle in a way that video games usually aren't subtle. It has drive. It has purpose. It has interesting things to say about the human condition. And its actual background is, of course, the very untrodden ground of zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I believe when we first got this game, uh, even, even then, zombies were overdone. And I, I think I was telling uh, my dad, uh, about this, and I, I believe his response was, "I don't, I don't, I don't want to do a zombie apocalypse game again, uh, or a zombie apocalypse in general." I think Walking Dead was already a thing. I'd have to look at the exact timing here. If it wasn't, it was shortly coming, uh, and uh, it was just—it just felt like it was already done, right? You had I Am Legend, you had The Road, you had all this stuff that was already something that had been done. And yet, The Last of Us still found a unique voice and still found a unique story to tell. And Naughty Dog and Bruce Straley and Neil Druckmann deserve all sorts of credit for that. Uh, now, unfortunately, for reasons that are still a little bit clouded, 
Naughty Dog's main leadership kind of dissolved a little bit. In 2014, this very year that we're looking at this ad, IGN originally reported that Neil Druckmann uh, forced out other powers at Naughty Dog, took over. He's currently vice president uh, and then started making games like Uncharted 4 in the director's chair and Last of Us Part Two in the director's chair. That has since been moderately rescinded. The IGN writer that wrote that in 2014 has said that I was forced to include that kind of information. I, It's all politics and all rumor and innuendo. So we're not going to go into what actually happened at Naughty Dog because I think it's very unclear uh, based on everything that we have seen. But suffice it to say, Neil Druckmann takes over the creative kind of lead at Naughty Dog as a studio. And then Sony at the same time starts to pitch their products as TV shows, leading to by far the most high profile of these projects being a collaboration with uh, HBO and uh, written by what they like to describe as the writer of Chernobyl. I like to describe him as the writer of The Hangover Part 2, but I'm mean and cynical that way. Certainly, he clearly has the ability to make good stuff and bad stuff in equal measure. We'll see how The Last of Us actually works. You can hear us talking about it on the BitCast on Sundays, and we've got a couple archival episodes on it that, that include it as a topic, because it's a very unusual kind of project for gamers, because The Last of Us is already very cinematic. In fact, uh, my, my, my counterpart on the BitCast, Travis uh, Northrup, who gives interviews for, or gives interviews, writes reviews, for IGN. He just gets interviewed every day. Writes reviews for IGN already has an issue with this kind of overly cinematic approach that basically is just a movie where you walk through and, and he doesn't much care for the gameplay in The Last of Us. Now he's wrong, but that's okay. Travis is wrong about a lot of stuff. Uh, it does matter when you're talking about an adaptation because if they're not going to tell a different story, and certainly the trailers just suggest they're not, then, well, you already played this. So HBO would seem to be suggested for the fact that this is aimed at non-gamers. We'll see that also in the Hollywood Reporter article. But I wanted to give the backdrop here to give you my honest opinion on various of these things because, well, I don't love The Last of Us Part Two, right? The Last of Us Part Two is not the same as The Last of Us. The Last of Us Part Two and Uncharted 4 are two projects that came out of Naughty Dog after Neil Druckmann took effective control of the studio. And I will I will link this. This is linked, actually, I think. This is an Empire article. Even though it says it's posted on 20, in 2020, I think it's actually from 2013. Might be from 2014. That talks about the making of The Last of Us. And one of the things that pops out that is really interesting is that they talk about what they couldn't do and how their process worked and how Straley and Druckmann work together. And Druckmann says he's so dark and Straley tried to add levity. Here's Neil Druckmann. And uh, what things didn't work in the plot to The Last of Us, I'm trying to find here because it was supposed to be, uh, it's supposed to be highlighted, but it didn't get highlighted for us here live. Uh, this is where, by the way, if you're watching a virtual gaddy, I would hit the pause button and I would go and I would restore all the highlights and I would unpause. That's generally speaking, what you see are my, are my cuts there. Uh, but it's all right. I can actually search this page for what I'm looking for, um, which is right here. Uh, I was just right at it. Uh, and this particular interview has a very interesting piece of information. If you haven't seen this before and you have played The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2, Last of Us Part 2 winds up being a revenge quest by Ellie uh, for things that I still won't spoil uh, in this space. And one of the things that pops out of this interview is Neil and Bruce talking about what was going to happen in The Last of Us before the story really got ironed out. 
They say Tess was the antagonist chasing Joel, and she ends up torturing him at the end of the game to find out where Ellie went, and Ellie shows up and shoots and kills Tess. And that was going to be the first person Ellie killed, but we could never make that work. So that's Neil, who's ostensibly the creative lead. And then Bruce says, yeah, it was really hard to keep somebody motivated just by anger. What is the motivation to track on a revenge, uh, on a vengeance tour? Thank you, uh, website. Uh, yeah, it is very hard. What is the motivation to track on a vengeance tour across an apocalyptic United States to get, what is it, revenge? You just don't buy it when the stakes are so high, when every single day we're having the player play through experiences where they're feeling like it's tense and difficult just to survive. And then how is she just suddenly, for story's sake, getting away with it? And yeah, the ending was pretty convoluted. So I think Neil pretty much hammered his head against the wall trying to figure that out. I think he came up with a good, really nice, simplified version of that, and it worked out. It had nothing to do with vengeance whatsoever, so I think Bruce is being nice here. But suffice it to say, this summary of a revenge tour across an apocalyptic United States that doesn't much care about the survivability of the landscape is exactly what Neil builds with The Last of Us Part Two, And you can see his co-director here saying, you just don't buy that as anything that works out years before The Last of Us Part Two comes out. And so I, I tend to think that however you feel about this partnership, much of the beauty of The Last of Us, much of what pops out of the awards here is that this was a collaboration that worked. And yet Neil Druckmann as an individual tends to take credit for what happened with respect to the game. So with that as your background, very biased, by the way, there will be other people you can go online. You can search for things that say, oh no, Druckmann's a genius. He's fantastic. In fact, my uh, the, the, the leader of Last Stand Media, Colin Moriarty, who I'm a paid contributor for, and I'm actually going to be taping an episode with him, I think, later today, uh, would tell you Neil Druckmann's fantastic and, and a genius and all these various things. So you can find the opposite opinion of this, but you're here on Hangouts and Headlines. That's my show. That's my biases. I put them out there for you, and this is what it sounds like when he talks about his home. <clears throat> Neil Druckmann gestures towards his giant comic book collection. That's something Ellie would appreciate, said the co-president of video game developer Naughty Dog, name-checking the female lead in The Last of Us. He'll see the character come to life starting January 15th when she's portrayed by Bella Ramsey in the upcoming HBO series adaptation of the popular PlayStation 3 and 4 and 5 titled Druckmann Conceived and Wrote. <laughs> what happened to Bruce Straley? Seriously. Every single story you can find about the conception of The Last of Us and that interview with Empire and elsewise has this as a tag team and a generous one to the younger Neil Druckmann, who was coming up in the business at the time The Last of Us uh, was really being made. And yet, it's a popular PlayStation 3 title Druckmann conceived and wrote. You'd never know. You'd never know. Hmm. All right. The nine-episode show also stars Pedro Pascal, to you and I, the Mandalorian, probably, uh, as Joel, the smuggler who shepherds her across a post-apocalyptic United States. It's, it's really a present apocalyptic. <laughs> My hope is that it completely changes how non-gamers view what games are capable of when it comes to deep narratives, says Israel-born Druckmann, the show's co-writer and a director and executive producer. You, you also won't see Bruce as any part of any of this. So you can see, first of all, this is actually a pretty useful quote here, completely changes how non-gamers view what games are capable of. So from Neil Druckmann's perspective early on, what you're getting in this article is he wants folks to know that there are real stories being told in games. And honestly, The Last of Us is a good place to make that point. 
Um, it is a excellent story, subtly told throughout a long form video game experience. I don't know that I will be attracted to this project because I know the story and I don't think they're doing anything other than making the cutscenes live action. Uh, but I think it's a worthwhile goal. So we got to give Neil Druckmann his credit where it's due. He's sitting in the TV room of his four bedroom, five bathroom Santa Monica residence, not a cheap residence, by the way, a contemporary two story he purchased in 2019 that reflects his rich inner life and vivid imagination. So it's headlines, folks, right? This could be about anybody. I would I would comment on this stuff uh, talking about anyone in the world, not just Neil Druckmann. Uh, but this is the kind of crap that you get in these kinds of articles, right? Oh, this this reflects your rich inner life and vivid imagination. Fantastic. But this incarnation of the house is new. I was operating out of a white room. This is peak pandemic, peak Zoom. And people kept commenting that it looked like I was in a prison. And here's a picture. We could see this. We could see he's got his releases, Uncharted 4, The Last of Us, and The Last of Us Part 2 here uh, on his wall. We've got various Last of Us paraphernalia on his shelves. It's very nice kind of uh, office set up here. Some nice looking chairs looking out at the woods. Very nice room. Doesn't look terribly different than other offices that I've been in. I don't know if those people had rich inner lives and vivid imaginations, but hey, here we go. He's got an ultra wide screen as well. Just a just a nice a nice look. Definitely always this clean, I am sure, and not because the Hollywood Reporter photographer was showing up. Uh, then we got we got this. I don't I don't know exactly what's happening with this. This is this is this is an interesting lamp. I don't know how to turn this lamp on. Probably with a switch, I guess. Probably not a Nintendo switch. Switch on the wall. This appears to be a bedroom, maybe a little austere, giant bed here, uh, and certainly set up to be photographed uh, in a place like the Hollywood Reporter. You can see nothing terribly unusual here. Rich, rich inner life, vivid imagination. Enter interior designer Kim Gordon. <clears throat> I was just like, no, 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 this won't work. She said, hired initially just to <clears throat> zhuzh up his office. I know we've been over this in this space before. Still not a word I recognize pronouncing. Gordon ended up reimagining the entire house. Now that's a good consultant, right? I, I need somebody to zhuzh up the office. Well, sure, but this, uh, you know, this uh, house has 11 rooms in it. What if we did it all? right? My bill will be a little higher, but let's, let's do it all. Okay. When we first started, I think he thought of home as just as being just the place where he sleeps, says Gordon. That changed as rooms started to evolve and he started to consider what he wanted to be surrounded by. Druckmann's desolate office, for example, became a warm, welcoming space. I did the snap finger thing and the reverberation was hard and hollow, recalls Gordon of what the office was like previously. Maybe you all are going to have to help me out here. My imagining of what this means is that you go into a room and you snap your fingers and you see if there's an echo because that means there's not like not enough fabric, something along those lines. Is that is that close to what is right when we're talking about, you know, interior design? I hope so. It sounds right to me. I'm going to assume that I'm right on this. <laughs> uh, and I do. I, I want to make sure I don't miss these specific uh, super chats here. Uh, so let me grab those while we're in the middle of this article. And then you guys can tell me whether that's what a snap test is. Uh, Britt Cormier, Final Fantasy is the best Final Fantasy. Tautological, but true. Everyone that disagrees is just refusing to be right. Without it, nothing else exists. Oh, the first Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy 1 is the best Final Fantasy. While I respect what Final Fantasy did to start the series, that is that is just wrong, Britt. <laughs> I like Final Fantasy 1. Uh, but it is it is not the best Final Fantasy. 
Truffle Hound says, Rick, I love you, buddy. But from one footy fan to another, I'm sorry, I got to do it. What do you call an American that makes it to the knockout rounds of the FIFA uh, World Cup soccer and championship trophy emoji? The referee. We made it to the knockout round, Truffle. This insult to my team doesn't even make any sense. Uh, but the Netherlands moved on. We got ejected. David uh, Bettler here with the with the real facts. Last of us two is awful. I tend to agree. Um, uh, Bishop Cruz says, looking at TLOU2, it was clearly set up to be a show. It was filled with young, diverse 20-somethings and Game of Thrones TV-style shock deaths. Was it set up to be a show? Maybe. I honestly don't know. I, I think The Last of Us Part Two is a mess. Uh, I said this when I was doing my review of it. I think it's got pacing issues. I think it, it has a failure of editing, of keeping track of what it is you want your story to be, what you want to tell. I honestly think this is followed up with God of War Ragnarok. I think Sony has a certain amount of editing issue uh, with their with their studios right now. Everything that they do is gold. Every fart they fart is rose-petaled. Uh, but uh, that is that is a problem, I think, at the overall studio level. Uh, and I'm not just going to lay that at the feet of Naughty Dog. But yeah, The Last of Us Part Two and God of War Ragnarok have a similar kind of arc. I might do a God of War postmortem, honestly, uh, insofar as they are telling you very simple things. Revenge is bad. Uh, or, you know, vengeance is bad, and you should listen to people about these things. Very simple things of the type that you would see in, like, an Arnold Schwarzenegger 80s movie delivered to you in 88 minutes. Uh, and then think that they are telling you something very important, very enlightening, an epiphany for you, and they just revel in it for hours and hours and hours. And it's just very pretentious. It's very condescending uh, as an approach to storytelling. Uh, and so I think The Last of Us Part Two really sinks into that. Uh, but I, I say that in my review. We won't go too far into The Last of Us Part Two uh, kind of review stuff. But certainly, uh, that is that is my position. Plenty of people really like it. Mantha says, not listening to any info on Last of Us Part Two. I'm sorry. It's a couple years old now. Um, so, yeah. I Hey, I didn't, I'm not going to say specifics about anything. I'm just talking about overall scope. Uh, promise. Promise. We'll get back to good stuff. Andor is a great series on Disney. It certainly is. Did Hoke just say he's going online with Professor Moriarty? Isn't that a great name? No, Colin. Colin Moriarty. Big name in video games. I think we're going to be talking about the Disco Elysium stuff. <clears throat> um, all right. Proceeding on here. Let's get through this uh, article. Now, making sure we're all caught up. Nurse Liz is in the chat. Hey, Nurse Liz. Good to see you. Already saw Kurt. Done several laws in the chat. Good to see you as well. All right. <clears throat> uh, did I get any kind of snap? I just... I, Space definitely needs more color. It is kind of chill, right? It's like the color is turned down. Um, and I, I, if anybody answered that snap question, I assume I'm right on the snap stuff. Okay. Let us go back to this article. Druckmann's desolate office, for example, become a warm and welcoming space. I did the snap finger thing. How can you tap into your creativity if a place doesn't nourish you? Now, look, I respect an interior designer going and, and talking up their craft. Excuse me, I'm going to mute this. My goodness, got a frog in my throat this morning. Apologies. 
Uh, <clears throat> so I respect the designer going and pushing her craft. Uh, but yes, I, many people work in offices that don't nourish them and it's okay. The designer brought in softness via a vintage rug, textured navy walls, thick curtains, and a curvaceous couch. She filled wooden bookcases with Druckmann's favorite tomes and intriguing memorabilia. A display of his guitars alongside a distressed leather chair became an invitation. Now, when work feels stressful, Druckmann noodles on them. And then I can jump back into work, calmed. Yeah. Uh, no, I've got the tea. No, that's fine. Thank you. And then I can jump back into work, calmed, he says. Not a bad thing. Hey, when I'm between contracts, sometimes I go and I play a game of Marvel Snap, and it's delightful. It's a, it's a nice thing to do. He found the transformation enlightening. It's funny because I'm so steeped in game and environment design, but for some reason I never made that crossover to interiors. Now, I, again, this is me bringing my own biases to these kinds of quotes, right? So I just want to be aware of that. I want to flag them for you when I feel them. There's a certain amount of, uh, you know, that bee eating crackers over there to this. But it's like when you start out with like, it's funny because I'm, I'm just such an awesome game designer. I never thought to design my own life. Huh. And again, it's like, I'm not saying this is a bad room. This looks like a magazine type room. It also doesn't look like a place I would ever want to live, right? There's just no life here, in my opinion, but that's fine. Uh, each of us can have our own desires for how these things look. Now, the home is a testament to his passions. I love having these artifacts around. Have you ever called tchotchkes that you have in your home artifacts? Have you? I have not. They have a nostalgic value to them that brings me joy. The stairwell showcases a retro-looking polycade video game console while in the dining room, the zoomorphic chairs, a horse skeleton print, and a light fixture that resembles a grouping of cells all speak to his fascination with anatomy. The living room's wall unit holds his record collection, and instead of a TV, there's a large slab of stone over the fireplace. I wanted one room that was analog. It didn't have a TV, says Druckmann. When guests come over, this is where we sit and talk. All right, now maybe this is common parlance in Santa Monica or in video or in interior design or heck, video game design. Uh, but I don't really refer to the rooms without TVs as analog. Is this something I'm missing? Is this how you actually talk about these things? I am a terrible person when it comes to home decor and everything else. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask for this. And like I said, I'm bringing all of this kind of uh, issue with the direction that these games have gone to the party. Uh, and part of what I usually argue about on, on video game side of things with Naughty Dog is that they become pretentious. Outside of The Last of Us Part Two, outside of pacing and everything else, uh, one of the examples I usually use for this is that Uncharted, which was a series that really helped put Naughty Dog even more on the map. They were already a company, of course. They had invented Crash Bandicoot. Uh, but Uncharted was one of the games that really helped push them over the edge. Was an adventuresome series. Had a big swashbuckling type score. It had an Indiana Jones knockoff. It was a fun adventure series. And then when Neil Druckmann took over the reins, Uncharted 4 slows the music way down. Takes out the adventure aspect. Wants to ground the experience. Uh, brings in a relative that never existed before, pre presents some grounded relationship soap opera drama rather than adventure, and then proceeds along that line with The Last of Us Part Two. So Naughty Dog hasn't released what I would call an adventuresome, fun-type game in a very long time <laughs> at this point in time. And so this is, this is what I usually chalk up to Neil Druckmann. So him talking about his analog room. Uh, and the artifacts on his walls is just so exactly matching my own biases 
uh, I had to do this article. I just had to. <laughs> in the kitchen, Gordon swapped out the somber gray cabinetry for walnut fronts and brought in an antique runner. Upstairs, Gordon turned a pair of awkward bookcases at the end of a hallway into a nook that's become a pre-bedtime hangout space for Druckmann and his children. The video game developer has even come around to the couch Gordon suggested he install in the primary bath. The kids are always coming in here to brush their teeth and we'll just hang out, he says. Now I can't even imagine a bathroom without a couch. As you can see here, look at this lamp. You thought that first lamp, what, what, is, what is happening there? Wow. Okay, then. I like the greenery. I'm sure Mrs. Hogue would like this, uh, this tree that you can see out the window and all the greenery on these shelves. There's a lot of plants to take care of uh, in this screenshot. Like in games, a lot of design is problem solving, he adds. So I really like that Kim focused on what was important to me. She came up with some very fantastic ideas and made the house truly livable. I don't even know what it feels like to sit in these seats. I don't, I, I can't even imagine here. And this, this is interesting decor for a dining room, right? The horse skeleton. I don't know. This is, this is very much, this is a very eclectic kind of look. You have this kind of green space, you have a horse skeleton, and you have what I can only describe as death stranding metamorphoses as your lamp. Uh, so, uh, oh, I got I got someone in the chat telling me that they think those plants are plastic. You do? Yeah, you just hire someone to water the plants? I don't have as much money as Neil Druckmann, Claude Simeon. <laughs> David says those plants are 100% plastic. I, they don't look plastic on this photograph, but I don't I don't know. Let's get Best Buy off your screen. Um, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about these things. Look, it was a tiny article. It was a fun little uh, hangouts and headlines, really closer to a casual Friday than anything else. But sometimes we need casual Tuesday, right? Sometimes you just need to have a Tuesday where you're going to go and you're going to look at these things. Uh, Night Eye says, uh, in response to Callista, exactly, these homes are always perfectly styled for the photo shoot. There's no question. This is not a lived-in environment in these photos, right? If we bring this back up, you can see uh, this is not anything that Neil Druckmann is currently hanging out in. There's literally nothing anywhere in any of these shots that is out of place. Uh, and that is perfectly fine. That is how I would want to present my house as well if I was asked to put a photo shoot in a major national publication. Uh, and yet it isn't really representative of, of living in a place, right? Crazy Cat Queen says, huh? Who knew that I had a pretentious analog space when our TV busted and we just didn't bother to replace it for two years, lol? Don't I feel fancy? Now here's a question. Did you leave the busted TV in the space? Because I don't know whether you can get away with calling it analog just because your digital is broken. I mean, these are the types of things that we have to answer in lawyer court. We'll call it pretense court. And we'll just evaluate these things uh, as a new segment on the Hogue Law YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Love the greenery, says Secret Mix World. I do too, actually. Um, I don't like the, 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 the room in its entirety here. Uh, but I do really like the greenery in the background. And man, the Hollywood Reporter really, really serves up those ads, don't they? Is that a picture of a horse? Sure is. They mentioned that in an earlier paragraph. A horse skeleton. Joshua B says, this Hollywood Reporter article is just a pretentious version of MTV Cribs. Nailed it. Yeah. Hollywood Reporter has a lot of good stuff, has a lot of good information. We've covered them a lot in this space when we're talking specifically about casual Friday stuff, movies, studios, and whatnot. Uh, but they also do fluff. I mean, this is as fluffy as it gets. This is almost certainly um, uh, an ask from HBO. Right. So they're access journalists, just like most are in the media space. 
uh, and HBO wants to start putting positioning Neil Druckmann in these various ways. So they get that opening paragraph, right? What is that opening paragraph about in this article? It's about, hey, uh, we've got an HBO series coming up. So, so this kind of thing, this is PR. Just if you don't know, uh, the, the series premieres very soon. It is, it is based on this guy's work. He's very proud of it. You do note that the fact that it was co-created and arguably uh, very influentially designed and, and narratively created by my co-director who, who left the studio in something of a huff. Uh, and retired from gaming for a series of years before announcing a new studio this year, um, isn't mentioned, had nothing to do with this. We don't have to talk about it at all. Now, it's not his house. It's not really a place for it. But this does go perhaps a little bit too far. Maybe co-conceived and wrote, maybe, would be enough of a kind of hand wave to the fact that Neil Druckmann is not the god king of The Last of Us or Naughty Dog, although who am I to say he's not at this point? But it's fine. It's fine. And then certainly when we're looking at the actual pictures, yeah, it's it's austere. It, it's exactly as I would expect it to look. Ms. Hoke Law says, look at those plants. I was going to say something about the skeleton art, but then remember that my art wall is equally bizarre. <laughs> I don't think there is anything on your art wall, dear, uh, that has the kind of uh, room domination that this horse skeleton has. Right? How big is that horse skeleton, realistically? That is a giant print, right? That is giant. Uh, and so you don't you don't have any horse skeletons facing people while they try to eat dinner. Don't you worry about. Is this how smart people houses look? No. In my experience, smart people houses are more um, disorganized than a lot of other people's houses. Um, I, I've been in clients' houses that are millionaires, that are geniuses with technology and 70 patents, uh, and they look like the absent-minded professor's laboratory. Um, there's just stuff everywhere, uh, and I, I don't generally have decor like this. Now, this is how rich people's houses can often look. This is how pretentious people's houses can look, although I would say there's almost no chance Neil Druckmann's house looks like this on a day-to-day -day basis, so don't take that too far. <laughs> The lamp looks like a transformer gone wrong. A little bit. Eleanor says, hey, I love the lamp, to be fair. That is totally fine. It is certainly an unusual piece, right? We can all agree that it is uh, an unusual piece. Emily says they are doing a lot with the plants. It's like he doesn't really have any personal items, so they filled it with plants. <laughs> he has no pictures of friends or family anywhere. I don't think he does, actually. Uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> Sardinisms, you tell me that this house belongs to the guy who thought The Last of Us Part Two was a masterpiece of narrative innovation, and I believe you. <clears throat> Honestly, if Neil Druckmann has enough money for a bathroom couch, Neil Druckmann has too much money. Callista, Neil Druckmann is vice president of one of the most successful game development uh, houses on earth. Uh, he has a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> How old are his kids? I would be terrified of that horse as a small child. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. Honestly, outside of the one sentence reference, didn't know Neil Druckmann had kids. Uh, Mrs. Hoglaw says that light fixture looks like it would come alive and turn into a robot, right? We got the Transformers commentary. <clears throat> totally Jersey says feels just for show, not for living. I tend to agree. Not, again, like I said, we would make up our house to have it presented if we were going to be in a national publication. So I'm going to give him some leeway there, certainly. 
B says Mac and cheese Monday, relaxed interior Tuesday, weekend Wednesday. Wonder what fun we get on Thursday and Friday. Hey, send me articles. Clearly, I'm doing anything I want this week. So if you've got an article you think would be fun to go through, let me know. DM me on Twitter uh, and maybe we'll do that one because you're right. We are already hitting some interesting spots this week and having a lot of fun doing it. 500 fellow people. Leave a like if you're liking this stuff. Uh, early in the morning, 8.30 in the morning in Eastern Standard Time. So we're going through photos of people. Real Home has about 100 charging cables lying about in various plug forms with the USB boxes hung over a sofa so that the, the three people can use the one at once. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. <clears throat> Ms. Hoglaw says, I mix fake and real plants, so it could be a combo platter there. It could be, right? Could be a combination. <laughs> Agreed, Mrs. Hoglaw. That lamp is a transformer for sure, says Nurse Liz. <laughs> I'm really liking this commentary. I don't have to add anything. This is very funny to see you uh, to, to see you guys commenting on this. Those cloth chairs in front of a dining room table would be a nightmare to keep clean if said table was actually eaten at. Well, in my experience, again, I'm not sure anybody actually eats at their dining room table. Maybe I'm wrong there. Uh, certainly others can uh, can reject that proposition for me. Uh, but yeah, the other thing I noticed there is that they are all wheeled chairs. That is a little bit unusual for a dining room table setup. You can see the wheels on the bottom. Um, and that's that's interesting. So you've got wheeled kind of, I don't know, velvety looking chairs uh, in an eating setup. Not ideal. <clears throat> I'm sure they're treated. You'd want to treat those. Uh, but yeah. Pixel says, where are the charging cords? What about a random backpack lying around? You know, honestly, if there were a random backpack, you would you would see that it was set up, that it was staged to look like there was a backpack, right? It would be it would be like perfectly arranged so that you could see like the one arm of the backpack, maybe a little bit half open with a algebra book coming out. Uh, you would you would see that they just didn't decide to stage it that way. <laughs> Googleman eighty one with a super sticker. Thank you, Googleman. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the support. <laughs> I was thinking the show looked good. Not so sure now. I don't think we could talk about, I don't think his house has anything to do with whether or not the show is good. Uh, I, I have a strong suspicion that HBO would have had a stronger hand than just allowing Neil Druckmann to, to draft or do whatever he wants with the last of us. That's why he's got a real writer with him. Even though I do make fun of that real writer as um, also responsible for some of the worst things I've ever seen. Uh, does he even live there or does he sleep at the office and wander around when he needs to chill? Um, I don't know, honestly. <laughs> I want to see the art wall. We need to do a deep dive into Hogue House from The Hollywood Reporter. I, I would have to do it in the style of Neil Druckmann. It's like, well, when I was envisioning my office, I thought to myself, what would really fuel my creativity? What would in, imbibe my wants and my desires, what would really satiate my passions? And I said to myself, well, it's a $23 ring light from Amazon. Yes, those are my passions. It would be a satire uh, of this particular approach to talking about these things, but I hear you. I <laughs> uh, did removals years ago and teachers and academics are the messiest houses you will ever see. This is what I tend to agree on, smart people, right? So I, I, I worked... Uh, and lived in a college town. Ann Arbor has some of the smartest people you will ever meet and a lot of absent-minded professors in terms of houses and house decor and, and messiness everywhere. And it's usually pretty cool. You're talking about lab folks. You're talking about people that are building the technology that is going to be like the James Bond equipment. All really, really cool, but not 
it doesn't look like this. For the most part, you get smart enough, my experience, you don't care <laughs> anymore about decor or nourishing your creative energies or that kind of thing. Uh, so I think that's that's tends to be smart person. But if you're smart and rich, you, you can hire somebody to go in <clears throat> and do this kind of thing. Mrs. Hoglaw says, hey, I don't always keep personal pictures in public spaces like the dining room, but I agree. Where are all the other artifacts in the living room? Yeah. I mean, it's staged. You might not want your personal stuff uh, in the Hollywood Reporter. It could have been staged away from those things. We don't ne just need to to dump on uh, Neil Druckmann here, uh, but certainly it does have some question marks uh, that you can ask about it. Uh, Crazy Cat Queen says, oh my God, filled wooden bookshelves with favorite tomes? W.T. Hamsteak? How about fill them with books? <laughs> uh, yes, well, you have to have tomes to go with your artifacts, yes? Am I wrong on this? It, it, the artifacts and the tomes fit in your analog spaces. Uh, it is all understood here. Uh, Aaron says, hey, Mrs. Hoglaw, we have a table, but we rarely eat at it. Different schedules due to kids' activities. Currently has craft projects, Christmas decorations, and stuff I need to file all over it. That right there. Board games, too. Dining room tables are excellent for board games. <laughs> um, yep. All right. I, I think we're just about done. We need a pick of a gaming dino for your office decor to be complete. Oh, we're not done. What is up, co-counsel? Yeah, we can go. All right, we're going to go for five more minutes here, probably, or so. Uh, my wife has a request, uh, and uh, it is that we do a poll of the community here. Do you eat at your dining room table? Yes, no, and I should add... Uh, uh, I don't have a dining room. All right. Let me know, folks. This is a special Mrs. Hoglaw co-counsel request. So she's taking over parts of the of the episodes in the channel here. Uh, but let us know, and we'll just continue to comment on the, the, the crazy Transformers lamp. Emily says, hey, if, if messy house equals smart, I must be a genius. Laughing emoji. Hey. I'm not saying you're not, right? I am saying that I've been in a lot of geniuses' houses and they're very, very messy indeed. So maybe you're maybe you're an absolute genius, Emily. 100%. <laughs> Sardinisms find me right after I tidy my room and it will be neat, but every possible cubic inch is crammed with stuff. Just the drawers. Just shove stuff in drawers. <laughs> uh, Tammy says, I only have family photos in one area. Just keep them to one specific area of the house. Sure. Absolutely. I don't know what we're even talking about right now, but it is extra fluffy. Thanks to Heathers. Also what? It's only like three or four rooms, so the rest could be messy. Yeah, they only took pictures of portions of it. They didn't get us the couch bathroom, for instance. Um, Nurse Liz says, I thought the dining room table is where you kept your mail, right? It's a flat space. It's there for putting stuff on. Absolutely. I don't even own a dining room table, question mark. I put a, uh, I put a, I don't have a dining room table option. I did. I did. I thought that uh, that would be a, an important, an important uh, uh, vote category. I'm getting better at polls. Not perfect, but I'm getting better. Kim says I ate at the dining room table. Thanks, Kim. Stephanie, you're also bougie to assume people have dining rooms, but I do use it to eat only after much determination. I bougie. The guy that runs Bot Sentinel. <clears throat> We prefer bourgeois. Thank you very much. 
Uh, no, I don't think I, we don't even have a dining room table set up in the dining room. That's the truth, but we're not admitting until we just did. Dining room table is for Dungeons and Dragons. You're on brand. Works for the channel. Yes, it is indeed. Holiday meals at the table. Otherwise, no. Yeah, the fancy China, the, the fancy China meals. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I only eat at that table on special occasions. Makes total sense. Kitchen layout is bar stools at the kitchen countertop. Sure. Totally works. What table? Yeah, it's the only it's the only table we have. Kathy's like, it's a dining room, people. You dine there. <laughs> totally get it. June says, I thought dining room tables were for crafting. People eat at them. <clears throat> Sometimes they eat while they're crafting. Uh, there's always random stuff on our dining room table. I eat at my kitchen table. And in the house I grew up in, we eat at our kitchen table nightly. Our formal dining room is for special occasions. Kelly C., <clears throat> that might be the Michigan way. That is certainly how I have lived my entire life is there's a table, mostly has stuff on it, gets cleaned off for like Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then everybody eats <clears throat> either at the kitchen uh, or, you know, watching TV, honestly. I Tetris my room to Heckenback, says Sardinisms. Yeah, absolutely. I can't do that. My spatial is not my gift, but certainly Miss Oglaw does. All right, there's your poll, honey. We got 29% eat at it, 23% don't have a table, and oh, about 50%, 48% say they do not eat at the dining room table. So, folks, that was Tuesday's Hangouts and Headlines. I told you it would be a fun one. It was an unusual one. You can feel however you like about The Last of Us, The Last of Us Part Two, Naughty Dog, Uncharted 4, Neil Druckmann, Bruce Straley, or anything else. That's just a taste of the drama that goes on in video games, for those of you that do like drama. So you can check out those stories. You can check out that Empire interview to see how things looked before the fracture uh, at Naughty Dog. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me on this lark of an episode. I know it's not a, a rapid litigation or anything fancy or dramatic, but sometimes in this space, we're just going to talk about nonsense because sometimes nonsense is needed, which sounds like it should be a motto of its own. So thank you for joining me. There won't be a weekend Wednesday hangouts and headlines. Of course, that's what we do. On Wednesdays, there might well be a virtual legality in that 3 p.m. slot today. So just check the channel uh, to see if I get one up for a premiere at 3 p.m. Otherwise, have a fantastic Tuesday. Have a fantastic Wednesday. And I will see you on the hold on. Co-counsel has just run to my door. I have another super chat. Okay, all right. So the end the broadcast button has been suspended for a second. As my wife tells me, I have another super chat that I have missed. We want to hit those. I am not seeing it. Ah, here we go. Miasma, beat a dead horse. Sounds about right for Druckmann. What better way to end the episode, folks? Have a great Tuesday. Have a great Wednesday. And I'll see you on the next episode here on the Hoglaw YouTube channel.